What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC. Also, maybe checking us out via podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or our website at coastalwn.com. Again, Beyond the Business, it's presented by the College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact, and certainly, hopefully, we're making an impact around the Low Country. I'm one of your hosts here this morning, Eric Cox. Unfortunately, not with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood today, as she is out again this Saturday morning, and we'll be back next week to join us. But uh, we appreciate you, our listeners, tuning in every Saturday morning and checking out great stories of leadership and entrepreneurship from around the Lowcountry. And certainly, uh, our guest from last week, who is back this week, is no exception to the rule, Mr. David McLean, who's the founder and CEO of Fatty's Beer Works here in Charleston. David, uh, first of all, welcome back. We appreciate you uh, jumping back on uh, this remote uh, broadcast this morning and uh, looking forward to hearing the rest of your story. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Hey, for for those who um, didn't get the chance last week to tune in, um, I'm going to give a little uh, couple of nuggets of takeaway, and then uh, I'm going to give you a chance after that, if you don't mind, to just sort of give those listeners uh, a quick insight to um, uh, what Fatty's Beer Works is all about. And then we're going to talk a lot more about the evolution of the organization. But, uh, you know, I loved, and if it's okay, I'm going to talk to you like you're not here for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when you, you know, you talked about sort of, what has been instrumental in your life along the way and getting you to where you are. And you really did reflect about your parents and in particular your mom and how much she pushed you. And I'm a quote guy. And you had a quote from her that said, never say you can't. And you said that's sort of been a mantra. It's carried you all the way through and certainly has, has helped you become successful uh, in, in the, um, in the brewery world. Absolutely. Um, you also talked about the importance of uh, being able to com- communicate your uh, message to others, mm-hmm. which in all walks of life of business, you know, that's what we're doing. It's those who can eloquently and efficiently do so that, that makes the difference. But at the end of the day, you talked about how much you believe in results and, and not always concerned about how you get there, but it's the results that count. And uh, I love your story. And for those who, again, missed last week, go go check it out on, on uh, again, our podcast. I love that, you know, you're that great story of you spent many years working for others. You developed your skill sets through all that time, but 
ultimately the seed of entrepreneurship came out in you and you said, I got to, as you, I think you said, jump off the cliff, right? Into the shallow waters and begin your entrepreneurial story. And so I love that. That's what this show is all about. And um, I'm excited to hear the rest of the story before we do. However, um, give us a little 20 second commercial on fatties. Sure. So, Fatty's Beer Works, located in beautiful downtown Charleston at 1436 Meeting Street. We're a brewery and a tap room, open seven days a week. Twelve different beers on tap right now, focusing mainly on sour IPAs, hazy IPAs, and lagers. And uh, we have a unique story. Uh, we, we believe the best brands have a story that's always being told, and ours is we tell the, the history of our favorite beverage through the greatest time-traveling brewmaster the world has never known. So uh, Fatty goes back in time to weave a narrative of all of our interesting beers to keep the users engaged and uh, just to see what's next. Wonderful. Well, in case our listeners are wondering this morning, we are not sitting here having samples at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, although I wouldn't have anything to oppose to that. But uh, we're doing a remote broadcast here, so uh, I can't speak for David, but we are not over here uh, in Mount Pleasant on uh, Coleman Boulevard. I can promise you that, right? So, uh, David, uh, as we were winding the story down last week, which was a perfect kind of ending to it, you know, you'd spent uh, the better half of 15 years of your life working in sales. Um, using your, your engineering degree from Clemson and, and your MBA from Carolina. Um, but you reached this point that you knew it was time to sort of separate from working for others and start your own deal. Um, go back and sort of relive that moment for our audience, if you don't mind. My love for beer really came from a trip out to Montana back in uh, early 2000 and uh, just opened my eyes to the the world of beer. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody remembers Fat Tire. And uh, the success that that brand created behind their bicycle and their uh, their craft beer, and people would drive from all over the East Coast, west of the Mississippi, to buy the beer and bring it back. And it was uh, it was just a taste of beer that I'd never I'd never had before. And I was exposed to all these great breweries up in Montana, Colorado. Uh, that really opened my eyes to what else could be out there. And I, I ended up bringing a lot of that beer back with me. And um, it was always just kind of a moment from there that there was something special about beer and uh, there's something I thought I could do in my life with it. Um, and, and really uh, how it started is, uh, you know, we got my wife and I got married and uh, I needed like all married men do. They need something to do out of the house. So uh, I figured I could start making beer in my garage. So. I basically put together a homebrew kit made out of an igloo cooler that you'd see at like a, a tennis court or something like that. Um, I took an old keg, cut the top off of that with my welding equipment, uh, my plasma cutter, made that my uh, boil kettle. And then I also created a hot liquor tank to uh, fabricated by, by myself in my garage that would get me out of the house for four or five hours. And I could play with different flavors of beers and, and things like that. And I'd have, you know, a dinner party. And uh, say, guys, come taste this new beer I've got out in the garage. And they walk out, they'd see it in a bucket or a cardboard. They'd be like, "Is this sanitary?" Trust me, I love it. <laughs> and uh, they, to my surprise, they they typically did. And uh, I really felt that uh, it was at the time when when craft beer branding was very stale and old, and you saw very little competition in the market. I mean, heck, when I had the idea for Fatties, there was five breweries in Charleston. Now there's you know almost forty. But back at that time, there was really a there was a niche for that for that player that you could see that from the growth in the market as a whole. But um, for the for my my welding uh, job at the end of that, I spent a lot of that time 
uh, in my territory, uh, going to find a brewery to, to make my beer for me. Because one of my greatest mentors uh, was the gentleman, I, I cannot, I know his name was Barry, but I cannot remember his last name now, but he was the owner or one of the founders of Woodchuck. So if you can remember Woodchuck's side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vermont, through, so South Carolina has a great program that connects uh, uh, young entrepreneurs with uh, retired executives that want to mentor uh, them on their profession. And, uh, I was able to connect with him and he said, you know, he asked me, he said, David, when do you think you could, you're ready to start this business? And I said, I'm, I'm ready now. He says, no, you're not. He's like, it's three to four years for you to be ready. And, and it just kind of shocked me. And he's like, you have no idea what, you, how your product's going to be accepted. You have no idea, you know, what, what people are going to, how you're going to distribute this. He said, you don't need to invest all this capital in a, in a brewery until you know whether or not your product is going to work. And I said, well, how do I do that? He said, you have to contract out your manufacturing uh, to test the waters, to see if there is a market for it, to see if it will take on. And then uh, if you have success, then you can you know, obviously think about a brick and mortar. So um, I took that advice and I ran with it. And I spent you know, 2008, 2009 driving the Carolinas and Virginia trying to find a brewery that had capacity that could actually make my beer for me, to give me a shot to see if I could actually do this. And I, it was about the 32nd guy that I went and saw um, was a gentleman up in, in outside of D.C., Sten, his name was Sten. He ran uh, Beltway Brewing, and he was in the process of opening up a strictly a contract brewing facility. Uh, so I was one of his first clients. And um, so we scaled the recipe up. Uh, he committed to making it, and um, I found somewhere I could make the product. So that kind of leads into uh, – the branding and all that, which is probably another story, but it was, uh, you know, this wasn't a process that happened overnight. It took years to develop, to, uh, to, to kind of, to mold, to, to finesse, to get it to really to where the point of where we could go out there and sell it was. But, you know, the hardest thing I had to do starting out was to find somebody to make the beer for me. And I did that. The second hardest thing I had to do was find a distributor to sell it for me. And, uh, that was extremely difficult. And, uh, I had a guy, Henry Gabriel from Advantage Distributing, distributing, take a chance. And this goes back to the communication piece, uh, where I can remember sitting on a picnic table out in front of his, uh, uh, his warehouse in Ladson. And I had created a fatty's business plan on my iPad and it kind of took me back, you know, the software days. And he was impressed with what I was showing him, the vision I had, how I was planning to sell the product. And he said, you know what, David? He said, I'll give you a PO for $25,000 worth of beer if you take the other guy that was with me, the sales rep, up there, and he likes it. He says, you fly him up there, you taste it, he likes it, we'll buy it, we'll bring it back, we'll sell it. So um, that was the second hardest thing I had to do. And so um, we took him up there in 2015. And uh, I'll never forget it. Three of my partners and I went up there, and we tasted it. And the first sip he said, he's, he said, I could sell the hell out of this. And I was so elated. It was just amazing. Um, it was just a, it was such a sigh of relief. And uh, it, it just felt like such a huge You knew you were on the right track. Huh? Absolutely. So and, uh, so talk a minute about uh, you know the transition, right? Going from um, – yeah. N- number one, it didn't happen overnight, as you indicated. No, and right. number two, going from a, a steady job, a steady paycheck, right. you probably yeah. had benefits to, right. all right, okay. I'm going to jump off that, that cliff and go do my own gig. What, how scary was that for you? It was terrifying. 
Absolutely terrifying. I mean, I went from a job where you're making six figures to a job where you're making nothing. And it was, it was the hardest, you know, really on my wife and my family, but they finally believed deep down that I could make this happen. And, uh, but the personal reward that you get where you go to work every day doing what you want to do for your own company, there, you can't put a dollar value on that. There's nothing that could put a dollar value on your happiness and your contentment with what your profession is. But it was absolutely the scariest thing I ever did. It was around Thanksgiving um, back in 2017, and I was trying to do my uh, other job and Thaddeus at the same time. And it was when we were building out the, uh, the actual brick-and-mortar brewery. And I, it just became too much. You, I couldn't focus on both and do one well. So I just had to have a long talk with my wife and say, look, I'm about to drop off the deep end here, and we're going to financially struggle here for a while. But I believe in the long run it's going to be worth it. But it, it, personally, I'm going to be much much more satisfied. Uh, our, our family life will be better because better I'm going to be happier. But it was, it was very, very scary. And uh, it still is. I mean, I'm still years into it. And, you know, we're, I'm still barely making any salary. But um, it's the happiness factor that really, you know, drives, home, drives me here every morning to see this thing through. But to any entrepreneur out there looking to do this, um, I could never tell you. I could, I could tell you right now, you'll never be happier than, than you are once you start doing working for yourself and creating your own brand and your own product. And just throwing yourself into it and your passion into it, and uh, it, it just it grows you from the inside out. And uh, although it is financially scary and you, you, you lose a lot of sleep at night, you've got big shoulders to, to fill now. It's 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 all worth it. Never say you can't, right? Absolutely. That's what my mom always said. I said that to her when she said, you're opening a brewery. What are you thinking? I said, mom, you told me never say you can't. You're the one to set me on the path, mom. So by the way, in case you're wondering whose great story that is, you're listening to is Mr. David McLean, again, the founder and CEO of Fatty's Beer Works here in Charleston. And uh, David, thanks for really walking through sort of the, the emotional aspect of making that change. Um, talk to a minute about sort of what it's like to have that opportunity to not just go be an entrepreneur, not to just go start your own business, but to get to go do something that you're so passionate about, right? A, a hobby, a love, um, and turn that actually into a business. Yeah, there's nothing, you, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's so rewarding and it, it, it gets you out of bed every day. It's, it's, you're creating, you're taking something out of your head and you're putting it on a piece of paper and you're trying to communicate your message to the consumer to buy it. And, uh, it's your way, it's your brand, it's your product. There's and when people buy into it and they see what you're doing and they love it, it you know, it almost brings a tear to your eye. But uh, it's it's just you take your vision out of your head, you put it on a piece of paper, you put a plan to execute it, and um, you hope for the best. And you know, you're not gonna always be right, but uh, you keep doing it and you never you never quit. You know, I've failed so many times over and over again. And I wouldn't be where I am today without failing. I mean, you cannot be afraid to fail. There's, you have to be, you have to go into this thing knowing you're going to fail and you're going to have to re regroup and try something different. Um, you know, I never, the most difficult thing that I'm still grasping, you know, four or five years into it is how hard it still is to make money. Um, it, it's the entrepreneurship is, is so difficult, but I cannot, you know, explain the the, fi- the the financial reward doesn't come very quick, but the the personal reward does, and you just live just happier life. Uh, everything about your aura is just more positive, and 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 what what people want to see. 
So you, you've you've mentioned this you know, certainly quite a bit last week and this week in terms of just the the value and and the, the you mentioned the aura right the pauses that come from having your own baby and growing it and doing all the things you're doing with your own business. Um, but at the same time, we all know the path of entrepreneurship certainly doesn't come without trials and tribulations. Uh, obviously, we're amidst one of those right now with COVID nineteen. Uh, we've talked to a lot of business owners on this show. Went through two thousand eight that you know we're in construction and building and. So, uh, mention to, to the aspect of, for you, uh, what gets you through moments like that as a leader of an organization? Do you have you know, mentors or people you lean on? Uh, is it just something that's inner strength? What helps you see the light in the tunnel amidst you know, great consternation? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, luckily, I'm surrounded with uh, partners that have very successful business in the area, businesses in the area. And uh, I've taken a lot from what they've they've been able to tell me. And when this COVID thing all started, I I, I didn't think it was going to be as serious as it was. I guess I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. But uh, overnight, as you remember, I mean, things just went downhill. And when you know, half of your business is the tap room in here and you've got to shut it down for who knows how long, it's, it's extremely scary. But having these um, partners that that have been managed a lot of uh, different things and, and, and big money that it helped. Uh, I, I learned from them on how to restructure some of the debt, prioritize our, our bills. Um, they, they, they gave me confidence that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, that there was a light through this. And uh, it's just, you know, the government is actually, you know, it, it's starting to work with us on taxes and things like that, because obviously during COVID, you got to keep, you got to pay your rent. You got to keep the lights on. Um, you got to pay your employees, but everything else, you have to be able to run your business. So, um, we're seeing some relief finally come through where, you know, we're, we're almost caught up again. Although the tap room is still nowhere what it was. We've had to, basically we had a paradigm shift and, um, everybody during COVID was out purchasing beers in the grocery stores. So we basically shifted all of our production from being kind of a tap room keg draft focused business in uh, local bars and restaurants to being a retail chain uh, package juggernaut where we could go out there and deliver packages or cases and cases of our beers and cans to make it the easiest way for the consumer to take it home with them. And um, that's something we've really just started implementing and, and acting on since May. But we started to really see some success here in the last 30 to 60 days that's really kind of bringing us out of this hole. So you've always got to be flexible. You've got to be, I mean, you never know what's, what another pandemic could come. But there's always some kind of variable that could be thrown at you. So having somebody to, to talk to, bounce ideas off of, and, and be able to shift production or just shift your business to accommodate the times is, is you have to be very flexible and versatile on your feet is, is a good way to say it. Yeah, and I think you you kind of alluded to this. You know, Mark Richards was on a few weeks ago, talked about it having you know partners in business, whether it's an internal actual you know equity partner or external uh, advisors and partners that have attributes that are very different than yours and and spaces absolutely. that they're experts in. It sounds like you have absolutely um, have that in in your business. Absolutely, and you never quit listening. I mean, you you have to be humble. You have to be. You have to understand that you don't always have the best idea of how to handle things, and there's other people that are way better doing things than you are at these certain fields. And you've always got to be able to accept advice, uh, learn from it, and and heed it, and uh, that, that really helps. 
Well, this is the point of the show where Leslie always comes in and asks one of these really powerful, tough, touching questions. She's not here today, so I'm going to give it my best. But right. you know, if you go back and you think maybe even beyond uh, the start of your business, you go back to your MBA when you were kind of developing the, the, the seedling of this um, and, and you see where you are today and everything you've been through, what advice would you give yourself if you were able to go back to those early, early years now that you have the, the hindsight of, of, uh, of sort of Monday morning quarterbacking? Uh, I'd say I was way undercapitalized for the, okay. uh, the scope of the project that I was undertaking. Um, you know, that was one of the hardest things to do was to get money from a bank without any cash flow, really, or without even a place to make beer. I mean, that was basically the third the hardest thing I had to do was get a bank to believe in me. And uh, Neil Oliver at First Reliance uh, took a chance on me and, and financed all this equipment. But it's always going to be three to four times more expensive to do any kind of construction project than you ever could imagine. And uh, changes of uh, you know work change orders, things like that, are always coming through. So I'd be more capital. I'd be more capital. I'd have more capital to, to work with would be one thing. And just the patience. I think I, I didn't think that. It would be take this long to really become profitable, but since we're such a capital-intensive business, it uh, it just takes years to see some actual results. So I'd say I'm not a very patient person to start with, but I've, I've taught myself more patience. So um, that's one of the biggest virtues I could say. I mean, as long as you believe and you see results in what you're doing is is being translating and communicated out in the market in a positive way, and it's going to get you where you want to be you got to stick to your guns. You got to stick with it and you got to be patient and let it develop. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, things take a while to move and, and change and move people in the market. And, um, I, I'd say that's one of the biggest things as well. And the brewery industry certainly over the years has, you know, the competition certainly has come about. Right. And so, oh, gosh, yeah. uh, obviously it's, it had become a hot industry. A lot of people jumped into it. Um, when, when you look at sort of the, the fatties, you know, market differentiator talk a little bit about what what has made you guys unique and special in the marketplace and and how you've been able to kind of keep a leg ahead of the competition absolutely so i I mean like i kind of talked about earlier um we're really a brand focused company um you know we hired one of the best graphic designers in the the world in my opinion to to create the fatties brand and he absolutely nailed it on the first try jay fletcher uh, a local guy and um it's such a recognizable symbol that i see you know i walk around charleston i see fatty sats all over the place and that patch and that word mark just resonates with so many people so i created a brand first with the story behind it that it was not somebody's name or some name, you know, it wasn't a regional brand. It didn't have anything to do with Charleston. We want to sell fatties in all over the world. And we, our brand is not going to regionalize us. It's got legs to stand on. I mean, everybody's got a little fatty in them. Um, and, and we wanted to create something that could have a, almost like a global appeal because we're not just stopping at, at Charleston. I mean, I want to have huge production facilities all over the place, serving fatties to the masses, but we had to get our foot in the door and get our foot in the ground here. But how we differentiate ourselves, I believe, to go back to your question, is is branding, um, beer identity, um, and, and product quality, and just having a unique place for people to come and experience your, pro- your product where it's not a corporate-feeling environment. It's you. So when you come in and you see the concrete walls and concrete floors and the cold, dingy uh, brewery tanks, you really feel like you're in a brewery. You're experiencing something that's pretty unique in, in the brewery world these days. And uh, I, I just think we've created a product that's very marketable to the masses. 
And you mentioned this earlier, but I'd like to highlight a little bit because I love the fact that it sounds like you used a lot of resources from Charleston to help grow, build, and start the business. You talked about a mentor you had. I think it was that from the SBA originally, the mentor? It was from a, it was from a South Carolina of, it was a a group, a website through South Carolina. The name escapes me right now, but it was, it was the state actually did it. So okay. it was something and, the state of South Carolina does. And any other local resources that you'd want to give a shout out to or recommend that others look at as they're growing and building their business? I'd say uh, your friends that, that have businesses that are, that are successful, I would learn everything you can from them. I'd pick their brain and uh, just, just harp on it. I mean, basically, Fatty started with two brothers that have two very successful businesses here, and they lived in the neighborhood beside us. So we'd spend every weekend for a year or two you know, visiting each other on the back, we called them back porch sessions. And we'd brainstorm for two to three hours every weekend, you know, where are we with the brand right now? What are we trying to get? So it was, it was, it was having people you trust that have been successful and can, can implement, you know, successful plans and action plans. Because like I said earlier, you don't know everything. So you have to rely on people that have done this and that have different skill sets to get you there. And you can never stop listening and, uh, and learning. I'll tell you that much right there. Never be too, uh, too modest because there's always something you can learn from anybody that's talking, that's running a business. Absolutely. And, and our last little minute or so we have left, we're going to do a quick, what we call lightning round. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, whatever just comes to your mind in terms of the response, throw it out there. First one we'll start off is what is your um, number one or best social media tool for your business right now? Uh, as far as platforms, yes, Instagram is uh, the one we focused on the most, and All right. we we, fo- we brought in a new uh, girl meets beer girl meets world girl to run our Instagram. She's doing a great job. Awesome, and uh, give us a book or or some material like that that you've read along the way that's been instrumental in helping you in, in business success. Yeah, uh, one of my or partners. Success, right? And uh, people obviously are your. Once you get to this level in your entrepreneurship, your people are your most valuable asset and your most valuable resource. And good people are so critical to the viability of your business. And uh, some of the books I recommend is Who, uh, Solve Your Number One Problem. It's uh, Jeff Smart and Randy Street. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller, but it, it really goes through the, the hiring process and the people you want to surround yourself with and uh, how you want to build them up and, and be a part, make them a part of your organization. Finding the right person is so difficult, but it's so critical to the Absolutely. success of your business. And the last one, give us something, David, on your bucket list. Uh, probably what I really want to do is go to uh, Antarctica would be one of them. Um, I have this, I've had this fascination with space and time. Uh, kind of ever since I started the the fatties thing, and I've really grown a liking to astronomy, and uh, and and what's going on out in the world. And, and Antarctica is one of the coolest places to see uh, how the Earth has evolved for millions and millions of years with all the ice and everything like that. But from a fun standpoint, I'd probably like to go play golf in Ireland for for a couple of weeks. But. Very cool. time to do that now. So very cool. Well, David, thank you so much again for your time, your story last week and this week. Been very inspirational. Uh, David McLean, founder and CEO of Fatty's Beer Works here in Charleston. Thank you, guys.
And again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide with nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy. The College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.